recorded live from the lobby of the Lion Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Peace, everyone, and welcome to the Edible Activist Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa L. Jones, broadcasting live from the lobby of The Line, D.C. This podcast is where dynamic people of color in the food and agricultural space share their personal food journeys, passions, and perspectives that stem from the land, all exemplifying the spirit of activism in their own edible way. Let's get started. Peace and welcome to the Edible Activist Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa L. Jones, broadcasting here on Full Service Radio. Okay, so I have lost count these days in the midst of the health pandemic, um, but the Edible Activist Podcast still continues. And as you all may know, since we can't be live in the studio, we're doing the remote thing and thank God for technology. Um, So thank you for just bearing with us and just always appreciate your support. Um, So So, all right, we got a good one for today, guys. I have a very special guest today, no other than Derail Graham of Black with Plants, which is an online platform that showcases his relationship with plants while addressing structural systems, white supremacy, cultural identity, racism, colonization, and so much more. The list goes on, but it's actually way more than that. Um, Derail is actually, he hails from Michigan. He's a former educator. He's a plant enthusiast, a plant advocate. Um, I also want to call him like the king of the low light plants, which we'll get more into. And I'm going to learn about some more as well. Um, and he actually spent some time in Washington, D.C., cultivating relationships and community and growing amazing food at places like three-part harmony which a lot of us are already familiar with so um and again the list runs so much longer than this welcome to the show Darrell. i am so happy to speak with you today thank you for your time it will be um a great uh, adventure for us both to uh, get to know the plant world and the many ways we can support each other Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you're all in the plant world and you've been in the plant world and I love seeing your post. I love more than anything, just reading your words and how you really connect with plants and how you cultivate relationship with plants. And you have this dynamic platform called Black with Plants. And for those who may not be familiar with your platform and may not be familiar with you, definitely just want to touch on like the origins of the story and the birth of Black with Plants and why you started it and what you felt like was missing. Um, And then we're going to get into what is still missing in this space. But if let's just start off with that a bit. Black with plants, I didn't see it coming. I had took a step back from social media, trying to understand mental health, to care for myself in ways that I had neglected, and my attempt to divorce myself fully from social media was short-lived. I had noticed prior to taking that step back the value of 
creating content, especially in local spaces where there are a lack of media. And I also saw the value of Black people taking up space online. And as I began to contemplate in late 2018 around how I could show up taking up space as a Black person, taking up space as a Black person committed to uh, learning from plants and honoring plants, I slowly tried to really not just observe the digital landscape. I only spend time on Instagram. A part of my mental health uh, regimen right now is to spend time away from a lot of the popular online sites and only log in to Black with Plants to check in with community to see what our concerns are, to see what alignment looks like without uh, force. So I noticed early uh, when I first started to use the hashtag and follow people um, also curious about plants, not just their beauty, but their uh, ability to heal uh, us as humans and the spaces that we occupy and I, I noticed a lot of the algorithms used online are to bring to the forefront whiteness. And it really discouraged me, but not to the point of being distracted. I uh, slowly realized the people that I followed were following mostly Black, uh, trans, indigenous folks, Black queer folks. Most of the people that I followed were focusing on uplifting Black films and Black women, really championing the Black radical imagination. So I, I really use that as my model. Model Again, I do follow non-Black people of color and um, people who identify as white Americans, but my goal, if I do follow these individuals who don't identify as Black is to ensure that what they represent on their feed, uh, my values are there. Uh, There has to be some uh, demonstration of solidarity. There has to be some um, real critique of whiteness and white supremacy culture, but not just critique and opinions, but uh, nudges to challenge folks who identify as white to uh, not be hubris and entitled. Um, so yeah, Black with Plants, it has grown, uh, over the years and I have day to day tried to be responsible. I I was just offering the world images of the plants that I was spending time with. That's how I began to make contact. And then I realized, okay, my plants are not novelty items. I don't want to represent plants as just novelty items. I want to, if I... If I share a glimpse of my my real world and try to post it online, I want people to see that my relationship with plants is intimate and it's a attempt of reverence, me trying to connect with my ancestors. And I, I get sometimes um, silly because especially during uh, crises, we deserve a chance to reflect and remember joy. Um, but I'm also trying to take the platform seriously. Uh, I do showcase my understanding on 
the feed, but I also try to challenge people to think about departing from the white imagination and us promoting the black imagination and protecting the black imagination. Uh, and that was fueled before I read uh, the um, piece curated by Natasha Marin, but most recently since her book publication uh, became public, I have been really uh, encouraged. So Black with Plants right now is my opportunity to work with people online uh, to really lean towards sovereignty, uh, mm-hmm. to really um, embrace liberation, to be tactical and strategical about um, cooperative uh, working together. And uh, I hope that people find uh, the hashtag and the account as a, a resource and and I hope people feel encouraged to uh, challenge me. Wow. That was a lot to unpack, Darrell. That was a lot to unpack. Um, something that you said that really just stood out um, to me, which was actually a lot, but you you mentioned the, you know, being in the digital space and really connecting with plants online. Um, and not just looking at plants as a novelty item. Um, and I know obviously getting more into this space and seeing the whiteness that's centered around um, folks' connection to the land and plants. It's, you know, it's, 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 we've, we are, Black people are agrarian by nature, right? Yeah. And so you mentioned something about even down to the algorithms, which is just like a first to me to hear someone just really like bring, you know, but boil all that down and say even to the algor- algorithms or you almost sounds to me like you feel like they were intentional and centered around more white content. Um, I don't know if it's just more so in respect to how we connect to the land, those who are plant enthusiasts, those who are farmers. I mean, it's, it's no, um, no secret, you know, once, you know, folks, when farming became the trend, it was it was the urban white hippie, you know, mm-hmm. who was looked at as the farmer. And that's one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why I got into this space, um, because I was like, this is centered around too much whiteness. But I was like, no, like, you know, my lineage runs deep in agriculture as of, of all of us, you know, of, of the diaspora. So going back to the digital space, the digital landscape um, is you know, again, the algorithms, is that really a thing? Like, is that, and this is the first I'm hearing and I'm not disputing it whatsoever, but that's just really interesting because obviously I still see whiteness centered around things that obviously us as black people have a connection to, but I never thought, you know, that to point to the algorithms and being intentional and in, in just really centering, trying to center our focus around the whiteness that is present online. I, believe the platforms that we are using are profitable. And I know that the industry uh, requires our attention to be successful. So I, over time, understanding my mental health and the steps needed to be taking to enjoy wellness, I am categorizing uh, these online platforms as uh, 
like algorithm dependent. They need to utilize mm-hmm. algorithms to um, really push ads, right? Uh, uh-huh. and, and to to get us interested in those ads. I don't want people to take my word as expertise. So I challenge listeners when spending 10 minutes on the social media of their choice, after a while, if there's an explore page or um, uh, an interface where you can see like a portal outside of your own feed, click that and and then and if you notice more mainstream representation and um, cis heteronormativity, or do you notice your values or your interests or reflections of what you actually have been um, interacting with? So I, uh-huh. I for, Insta- for Instagram, I try my best to be deliberate and intentional. I'm only liking... Uh, um, images and videos that represent Black people, uh, not just in America, but as you mentioned, across the diaspora. I try to only interact with videos and pictures of plants next to Black people, indoor or outdoor. I, I try to follow uh, the Black um, managed accounts in the plant world and uh, I notice when I spend that 10 minutes on that specific platform, when I go to the explore page, the algorithm that I see is showcasing images based on what I'm interfacing with. And I, I'm seeing less and less of the mainstream, but I, I do know mm-hmm. before my ability to be a little bit more discerning on the app, what I saw was more mainstream. And I'm trying to be a little vague because I want people to really uh, be curious about how social media uh, can benefit us, but also how it can um, maybe sometimes serve as a barrier for us to cooperate and uplift each other and protect each other. All of that makes total, total, total sense. And um, like I said before, I've never had anyone um, bring it down to that point and reference the the algorithm online and just really, um, you know, looking at it from that point of view and what our, what, what the content is centered around. And I see you and you're extremely, extremely intentional with your words and you're very extremely, you're extremely intentional about who you connect with. Um, So I, again, I just, that's just something I wanted you to elaborate on that perspective. And um, thank you for sharing that with me. Thank you so much. So with Blackwood Plants, Durrell, and, you know, one of the things that I've definitely just picked up and um, just reading a little bit more about you, learning a little bit more about you is that, you know, earlier you did mention that you didn't want plants just to be seen as a novelty item, right? And I think that also goes back to, um, that, um, the whiteness around connecting with the land, that whiteness around farming, that, that trendy, oh, it, it, it looks cool, you know, to be a hippie. It looks cool to, you know, be this beautiful person doing yoga in the middle of a house or a studio with all these plants, right? Because it looks good. 
But your relationship with plants is so much more deeper than that. And that's something that you definitely want to convey um, to to your audience and those who, you know, who follow you, those who connect with you. Um, so definitely uh, just want to touch on that a bit more and just elaborate on that um, because I feel you. I totally feel you. It's more than just a prop. It's more than just yeah. something that you bought from the store, you know, like you are cultivating a relationship. And even for me, like, I feel like my, a, a lot of the reason uh, for a big reason why, you know, this work is really spiritual for me is, is, and because, and I have to credit my connection to the land um, as a way for me to like really just deepen my, my spiritual like journey is I really much so look at you know, how plants grow and how things grow and how plant um, crops fail and how they succeed and just looking at the soil, you know, that is a relationship. And I, it is, I am the plant and the plant is me. I don't look at it any differently, you know? So just to, to, to hear you say, this is not just a novelty item. Like this is a relationship. Like the plant is a, a being, you know, like we are one and the same. So definitely just want to have you elaborate on that a bit. I noticed during my like peak curiosity uh, in my my beginning first steps, I I was so ignorant about plants. I I couldn't distinguish mm. wildflowers, or I can recognize certain leaf prints, you know, and uh, the leaves when they drop, but when I was making a pivot to be more uh, uh, I guess responsible is the first word to come to mind with my uh, relationship building process. I noticed that I had to really be vulnerable. I had to not condemn myself for my ignorance, but I had to do what was necessary to grow my understanding of the plant kingdom. So I try my best to only as associate my learning with plants that would do well in the apartment that I, um, I lived in at the time. And that apartment had limited um, light uh, daily. And um, I didn't want to be discouraged by that. And even in my early research, a lot of the um, links would uh, go to locations of exclusion and places where there's a low population of people that look like me, and there are no plant shops owned by people that look like uh, people mm. that I And I was like, whoa, I have to disrupt this a little bit. I don't identify as a writer, but I have worked in the writing community for a long time, encouraging young people to tell stories. So I was like, all right, maybe I can, with the platform Black with Plants, create content. So if a person that looks like me goes to uh, an online platform to be curious that they can see people like them talking about plants and loving plants and loving mm. on plants and letting the plants love on them. So you're right. I mm -hmm. do agree. My relationship with plants is, um, it's an intersection. It's, it's not just a, it, 
it's a passion, but it's not a, a passion project. If I gotcha. uh, can be honest, it's, it's a it's me understanding my spirituality and my uh, mentality, uh, my my ability to protect my mental health is also helping me relate with my physical um, self and the physical world around me and the natural world around me. So it's like an intersection of me understanding how I fit into the world. And uh, one of my true turning points really propelling me forward, once I started noticing a lot of the popular plants that come up um, on the feeds, uh, all these plants are from places where there's mostly black or brown people. A lot of these plants come from um, regions of the world populated by black and brown people. They um, are from the continent of Africa. They are um, from Brazil. They are from Central America as well. And I was like, wow. So whiteness is coveting a landscape of, of plants originally from uh, communities inhabited by people of color. Like to me, that was mind blowing. Uh, wow. So I, I felt another sense of responsibility to try to use Black with Plants as a feed to nuance low light plants to nuance their care, but also their origins and like how they would exist in their place of origin. And I'm trying to do it slowly. I don't want it to be content overload. I want a person on their pursuit to understand plants if they come across Black with Plants to be encouraged. I don't want it to feel like I have a menu that is standard. I'm just trying to share my aha moments and make them attractive so that people can do what I did uh, at the beginning of my journey to take a step back and to really see themselves. I want people to uh, practice embodiment. And I think plants, once we understand that they are sentient beings, we start to see ourselves, our beauty in those plants. And then we, with that relationship, are able to exist in ways that are more natural. Mm. I feel like a plant right now, Darrell. <laughs> Touching my leaves <laughs> in the low light. <laughs> I can feel it. <laughs> I need a little bit of sun yeah. today. <laughs> but you know what? No, you talk a lot also about deco- um, decolonization. So, you know, mm. when we are, you know, talking about reclaiming the land, knowing the earth, I like this post that you have on, on your Instagram, like knowing yourself, like you're, you know, going back to reconnecting with your identity because that's been lost for a mm. lot of people, claiming who you are, you know, um, like, again, decolonization, like reconnecting with the earth and with the land and reclaiming what was already ours, you know, that's, that's all part of decolonization 
And that's, that's, you know, the mirror of, I, of what you're practicing um, and what you're doing without even saying it directly. <laughs> that is the practice. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, definitely. I just was going to, um, uh, there was a moment I couldn't hear you, but then it, um, as I interrupted you, it um, connected. So I'm clear, but I was just going to say, yeah, I don't want to really talk about the past so much because I understand that we're living in a, um, uh, a curious time and I want people to, I want people to be well, I want people to be motivated. I, uh, just want people to understand that my relationship with plants, um, has really shifted how I engage with work and vocational stress and value deprivation and early misunderstandings of psychological wellness and misunderstandings of um, what underlies uh, like cognitive duress. Um, Like I had to take steps back to understand that as well. So when I, when I took, the initial step to understand the plant kingdom and the initial step to really understand myself uh, as a full complicated individual, not just colored by some of my youthful vigor and some of my adult um, professional success. I started to realize that I could, I could do that at the same time. So like those two, um, uh, like axes, point of axes in my life really helped me spend time daily working on decolonizing, like you mentioned, my social practice, making sure I wasn't in my room and in my studio doing this learning, trying to uh, do some unlearning and then going into the world, um, not living out my values. So yeah, I just wanted to give you uh, and the listeners that context. Black with Plants really is a day-to-day reminder that I'm doing this work. And um, when I am um, working in community, either in direct messages or through uh, content generation, it's for um, anyone interested in plants and interested in Blackness, uh, Black social life, to really do the work as well. And I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. Thank you for sharing that. Daryl, I just have a couple more questions for you. I literally could spend all day on the phone with you because your work is so deep um, and there's so much context to what you do and it's so layered. Um, It's a book. It's a journal. It's everything. I can just flip a page every second of the day. Um, So we got to we got definitely have to set up some more time for you and I to connect a bit more. But um, you you touch a lot on the importance of knowing your USDA hardiness zone. Um, and that is something that I'm not too familiar with. Don't nobody judge me because I don't judge folks. So I'm going to learn. And for our audience and our listeners who aren't you know, aware of the hardiness zones that we do have, um, definitely just want you to educate us and just you know, briefly just give us you know, um, a few like nuggets, like why it's important for us to know our zones, um, specifically when we're growing. Definitely. Uh, be curious about your hardiness zone. I know we just talked about decolonizing, but your hardiness zone 
doesn't really have to do with um, these fictitious borderlines that we live under. It has more to do with the position of the sun during the seasons um, and where our landscapes are during the cold seasons when temperatures drop below um, freezing point. So there are 13 hardiness zones not limited to the U.S. Uh, fictitious boundary lines, but it wraps around the globe. And don't judge me right now, but I think it's latitude. So it's like going around it's going around east to west that way. Um, I damn sure so don't know. Imagine- so I can't judge you. <laughs> <laughs> so if, you can imagine, if you can imagine north to south, there's lines going north to south. If you go um, top to bottom, um, zero at the top and 13 at the bottom, right? Just imagine that. Um, when you get close to the equator, that's the hottest point, And we all mm-hmm. uh, are aware of that. But mm-hmm. where you are basically associated north or south of the um, equator and where you are um, and proximate to where there's uh, long long-term or short-term like snow coverage, you can really do well growing because you won't have to waste your time with plants that won't survive indoors or outdoors in that environment. And my first interest in hardiness zones was because I kept buying um, succulents. And when I lived in a low-light environment, succulents were passing uh, and going to compost or turning back into stardust. And I was just like, so frustrated, like, what am I doing wrong? And then I realized that traditionally succulents don't do well in a a place like Michigan. If you can't really make an artificial environment forward in your interior space or your exterior space. So I started to investigate plants that would thrive uh, at the time, Washington, D.C., and then um, that's where I started to spend my time uh, with the seeds, with the um, seedlings and the uh, potted plants, but also plants that we can grow as food. Uh, it helps you not mismatch your knowledge as well. You can really build yourself up if you spend time with the plants or the seeds that would do well in your environment. Wow. Thank you so much for breaking that down. Thank you so much. I actually had to Google it. And I've heard it was you and there's someone else. I followed Tam in the garden. I noticed that, you know, some uh, a handful of the profiles would list the hardiness, the hardiness zone on there. Be like 7A, 8A or whatever. And I'm like, what is this? And, you know, me and my Googling fingers, I was like, oh, and I know you talk a lot about it as well. So I definitely just want you to educate me and our listeners because this is a learning journey. As yeah. always, never ending. Thank you so much for that. So um, I do have to, I, yeah, I want to talk about, I'm Let's sorry, say, go ahead. Can I say one more thing? Yes, um, go ahead. I think it also will help the listeners. Um, a lot of us are familiar with the watershed. Uh, when we're talking about food sheds, mm-hmm. uh, like sovereignty, it's important to think about what plants are in the landscape, what, what plants were here before we disturbed the lands. Like those are our medicines. Those are our staple crops. Those are the plants of utility. And then you can 
increase your um, uh, your skill set by working with adaptable plants that can you know add to your biodiversity that won't take away from uh, the native plants and the wildlife. So again, it's just hardiness zones. I think it's an opportunity for people like me online for us to really try to be responsible to try to encourage people. Um, to see that they have a zone around them and there are a lot of plants thriving in that zone. And hopefully they'll start to talk to us, you know? Wow. Okay. So know the plants that were here before we disturbed the land. Pow, pow, and pow. Tweet, tweet. Okay. Bam. Got it. So um, what I wanted to say before is I just wanted to re-remind the audience, there are so many of you all who are familiar um, with Repart Harmony and Gail and her amazing team. And I know that you've done just some, um, you've done some work with Repart um, Three Harmony Farm. You're actually also part of a farmer's trainer um, program. And so um, I would love to dive more into that just a bit, but I'm running out of time. But um, I definitely wanted to toss that out there because I always have to just show so much reverence for Three Part Harmony. I know they were amazing to work with and just Gail is just someone who you probably just look up to. Like, no, she, Gail she's mom. Thank, you, Thank you, Gail, for changing my life. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out, Gail. Shout out to Gail. She she is the bomb. So um, before we wrap up, before we get into our, our rapid fire, um, like I said before, you're actually, so you you lived here, um, you lived in, in D.C., and um, but you're from Michigan and I know I'm going to jack this up. Is it Ypsilanti? Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, IP sound Ypsilanti. Yes. Ypsilanti. OK, so the Y. Is now, OK, I almost had it, guys. DC, though, DC is um, where I really understood the significance of being black and mm-hmm. I just want to thank the people of D.C. who interacted with me and who um, love on me and care for me now, even though I'm in Michigan currently. Uh, Washington, D.C., with respect to urban farming, um, is is central. It's core to the work that people are doing uh, in Detroit and Oakland and elsewhere. So thank you to the people of D.C., um, specifically the Black people of Washington, D.C. Wow. Awesome. So let's talk. You are actually um, working on a project out in um, Ypsilanti, Michigan, um, with the Free Food Pantry. Um, That is a really, in in this time of crisis, um, you know, many folks in that community are um, benefiting from this um, really amazing and dynamic program um, that you've been volunteering with or been partnering with. And so I just definitely want you to want you to touch on that because we are in a space, I mean, even before we had people who were in need and so many various capacities, um, but this time is actually really critical and definitely just want you to highlight what you've been working on with the free food pantry out in Michigan a bit. Yes. Understanding that we live in a time that necessitates uh, solidarity. Uh, we're just working, um, around the clock to demonstrate mutual aid. We being the people of Ypsilanti, uh, we have um, uh, a porch available 24 hours. Uh, It has food, but it also has household essentials available. Community has a 
um, shelving unit full of canned goods available for people to take home and consume in their leisure. There's also items to encourage people to enjoy a little bit of sexiness. So you should have to um, uh, avoid taking care of your needs. So we're trying our best to figure out which items are, uh, I want to use the word popular because they seem to leave the porch within an hour or two. Uh, mm. so we can start either getting pallets of these items or just being a little bit more resourceful. A lot of people need uh, items in their kitchen and in their bathroom right now. So we also make those um, items available on the pantry. The pantry was uh, an idea of my best friend. He was really concerned about uh, the people uh, in this neighborhood. And we realized that the whole city um, uh, won't be able to have their needs net with the traditional institutions in place. So we needed to pop up this pantry to aid uh, uh, um, people who are walking and driving through the community at hours when those um, traditional institutions are closed. And we're now working with some of those um, um, uh, historical venues that uh, have been generous to figure out how to uh, make sure we're reducing food waste. So if food items are not moving there, we can make sure they're moving on our pantry. If they have uh, household items are not um, that are collecting dust at their facilities that we can easily make them public facing on our pantry. And yeah, I, uh, I just try to make sure that the pantry is disinfected, um, that the items are uh, not expired um, and not um, risking harm in other ways. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Dero, where can folks find you at on social media, online? Let us know your handles so we yeah. can stay connected. Please uh, consider Black with Plants if you want to talk about low light plants. Um, I want to talk more about plants. I have been um, really involved in uh, the solidarity movement currently. Uh, I want you all to be well. Uh, so, um, Holler at me. I don't do social media outside of Instagram to protect my mental health. So you won't find me on those other social media sites. Uh, and if you holler at me on Instagram, we can talk in a direct message about ways that you can um, add plants to your home, herbs to your home, or if you want to practice working with herbs in your uh, your yard space or in a community space. Wow. Darrell, thank you so much for sharing your truth. Thank you so much. We need so much more transparency um, in, in this world in general. So I, I just, I really, I'm grateful for you and I'm grateful for your platform. Um, so we're not going to close out with like, without a fun rapid fire. So, Are you ready for me? <laughs> I'm ready for you. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You ain't struggling over there as you. <laughs> okay, Derail. What is your favorite veggie? My favorite veggie, uh, a radish. Ooh, no one's ever said that. I love radishes, especially in a salad, man. They're just by themselves. 
All right. Favorite, favorite fruit? My favorite fruit is a mango. Ooh, yes, for the mango. All right. Sweet, spicy, sour, salty, savory, or bitter? Ooh. Uh, I shouldn't go for spicy, but I can't resist spicy food. All right. That's a hard one. That's a hard one. Mm-hmm. All right. One action step someone can take today towards edible activism. Listening to Black women. Yo! From his mouth <laughs> to y'all's ears. Wow. All right. On that note, we're closing out. Peace, everyone. Thank you, Darrell. <laughs> Be well. Be well. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We are here live on Full Service Radio every Wednesday at 11 a.m., where you can catch today's episode on fullserviceradio.org, as well as iTunes and Spotify. Be sure to follow me at Food Talks in Color on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Are you an edible activist? Sure you are. Come join me on the show. I would love to feature you. Just shoot me a DM on the gram. Peace and blessings all. And remember, there is no culture without agriculture.